As discussed yesterday, a big win in Toronto last night. All eyes of the NHL were watching the Rangers of New York play the Maple Leafs in an original six match. Uh, and the Rangers emerged victorious. Austin Matthews, by the way, as Dan knows, is just a sniper. I mean, the guy is out of his mind. But that's not what we're here to talk about. It's December 20th. It's Wednesday. It's 1 p.m. on the East Coast. It's market call. CB Dubs is waiting in the wings. He'll be here literally in seconds. Let's take a look at the rundown, Dan, and you can wax poetic about that Ranger game. Yeah, we can. I mean, listen, you know, it's hard to say this guy, but there is a disaster du jour today in the stock market, a market that is up because what? Because it's open. Because it's open and it just keeps grinding higher here. I think that's pretty interesting. Carter's going to give us a good take on, um, you know, a technical take on Micron and Nike, a couple important earnings that I think that you and I are both focused on from a fundamental standpoint, um, you know, this week. And, and again, you know, this is late cycle earnings stuff, right? A lot of the folks have just kind of written off the year for what it is, but this might be a pretty decent preview as we think about what Q4 earnings are going to look like, right? And then, our good friend Doug Cass brought this up. You flagged it earlier today. The fear and greed index. Um, this is one our friend Peter Bookbar likes to look at. Is flashing extreme greed there, guy? Well, what do you think of that? Not only that, but you know the RSIs, which we discussed yesterday. I mean, at levels we haven't seen in a few yeah. years. So it, it, listen, and people don't want to hear any of this. I understand, and I mentioned it yesterday before we bring Carter in that. You know, when things are oversold to the extent that they're overbought now, people are screaming from the rooftops, oh, my God, everything is oversold. But when things get to the levels that we're seeing on the flip side, nobody wants to seem to point it out, obviously, because it doesn't fit the narrative. So, listen, we'll see how it shakes out. Today, the market doesn't care, obviously. And it's amazing. And we might as well bring Carter in, Dubs, join us. But, you know, I'll say this, and we play this game all the time. If I had told you FedEx would be, and again, a lot of it is FedEx specific. I get it. But it would be down to the amount that it's down today. And then throw in a General Mills, not that General Mills is the market, but you know they're saying things that we've been talking about for a while. And then you said, okay, Swizz, where's the S&P going to be? <laughs> Given the backdrop of the RSIs and the, and the fear and greed, I've been down, we're down 30 handles, 35 handles, 40 handles. Yet here we are actually up on the day. So that's the market we have right now, Dan. Carter, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, we also have, what, eight weeks in a row, eight positive weeks S&P. And um, if you look at past instances where you have that kind of persistent and um, uh, sort of unrelenting momentum, a lot of times it does uh, have follow through. The question is, there are these givebacks along the way. And so are we due for one of those? And what's the magnitude? Hard to know. But yeah. I think that's where, you know, with the VIX as low as it is, uh, you know, buying some protection makes sense. Yeah, Carter, you know, into let's just kind of like focus on this FedEx here for a second. And again, you know, guys, it's not the market. It's uh, there's some specific stuff. Guy, you kind of nailed it on the desk of Fast Money. The numbers were coming out last night and you said, listen, you know, a lot of folks, you know, if you just looked at the headlines, you'd be like, oh, wow. Well, I, I'm not sure why it's down six or seven percent on that sort of revenue guide, you know, and, you know, trading where it's trading and everything like that. You said, listen, the operating margins came in half of what was expectations. And so when you start like looking under the hood a little bit, that's important stuff. But Carter, when you just mentioned, you know, the market's up eight weeks in a row, a stock like this has obviously bested the performance of the S&P uh, fairly significantly. It was up about 25% from the October lows into yesterday's close. When you see 
a pullback like this on something that at least the headlines wouldn't suggest down 11 percent. What what does that say to you? Do you want to start getting your antennas up about other names that are about to report that have also run like this? I mean, yeah, it it cuts both ways. Look, Costco was steep and Costco followed through to the upside. The point is that sometimes the steep and unrelenting ascent before a news item is actually foreshadowing even better news. And the item comes out in Costco and it goes further. And sometimes it's already discounted what's coming that might be good or bad. And you get the FedEx type thing. There is no at least technique that I know of that can sort of discern which one um, is going to sort of give you the win and which is not, which is to say it's no different than playing odds. If you, you play the cards as they're dealt over and over and over, which is what odds are, not all stocks that are supposed to break out do. Not all stocks that are supposed to break down to new lows do. Sometimes they ricochet and pull the Macy's type move, um, which we know. Uh, but but they, at the end of the day, U.S. Steel, right? A dog and all of a sudden it's up on its uh, up getting bought out. This kind of thing, the question is really here and now, do you step in, right? And this is not what a correction, a decline, a dip, a drawdown, a give back is. This is a collapse and it's news related. So tempting as it might be, and it maybe makes the stock cheaper, it is almost never right to step in after a stock has dropped and gapped to buy it. It's interesting, Dan. You know, I'm looking at FedEx and I was trying to gauge some levels last night. I thought the first stop potentially could be 250. And that might be a level. And here we are, 250. I mean, a 10% move in a in an, in an as important a name as Federal Express, it's just completely being discounted by the market, Dan. And I would push back yeah. and say, you know, the bulls will say, again, you said it earlier, guy. It's FedEx specific. And to a certain extent, it is. I mean, they've had their problems over the last couple of years. But you can't just dismiss out of hand when you see a stock like this move, again, 10.5%, to the downside. By the way, on a broader market that continues to hang yeah. in there, it's it's got to be part of, I want to say, some mosaic that we've been trying to weave. Well, we might, it's funny. Dan, I don't know if we, you guys, do we have a FedEx chart? I would just to guys' yeah. point. If you don't, that's fine. Maybe one of the ones I, it, this drop in gap, just to put it in context, since uh, over the past uh, sort of 16 months, this is not unusual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at those numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. this is this is this is not a you know this is this is what happens when you when you almost double off of a low you have givebacks. Uh, the only other way to consider it, if you look at this next iteration, um, that we got right to the underside of that trend line mm-hmm. in our head. Uh, it's a pair of twos here for me. I would just say if you had some, you'd take some measures reduced, but certainly wouldn't step in. And there is yeah. a case to be made, however, that if you've just taken this blow. You're long and you just got hit like this. Do you really dump it here? Maybe you get a little relief rally tomorrow, maybe on Monday. But the point is, here and now with new money, definitely nothing. Yeah, it's funny. So yesterday, Carter, and and you just said something interesting about, you know, um, you know, buying protection where vol is and and the like here. You know, we were looking um, at the at the money straddle uh, in this name yesterday, guy. And you recall, we just said, listen, seven dollars for the call, seven dollars for the put, you know, take 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 your position here. It looked kind of dollar cheap. It was like a two and a quarter percent um, or something like that in either direction. And, you know, guy, while you said two fifty, we looked at that, you know, like a a twenty dollar wide put spread. I think I said the 280, 260, maybe get into January a little bit. Well, you just blew right through there. And that was like a pretty reasonable risk reward. So as we get into January, we're going to start thinking a lot about 
Carter's charts. We're going to think a lot about some of the sentiment that we see around some of these stories and some of the disconnect between the opportunities that might exist in the markets to use things like options, right, to either for leverage or yield enhancement or protection. And that's one. And obviously, we spent a lot of time talking about futures um, on, on Tuesdays as it was, you know, generally in the indices and commodities and the like. But um, I think we're about to go into a really good trading environment. That's the other thing I'll just say mm-hmm. is like, you know, um, I think there's going to be a lot of dispersion as we get into January and Q4 earnings. I want to I want to quickly ask Carter a question that I know he's equipped to answer. So Federal Express was in an uptrend as defined by this red line for the better part of a year. We broke the uptrend, I want to say, I don't know, in September or thereabouts, and then traded off. Then you had this huge move to the upside. Still, though, you've broken the trend. The fact that we traded up to the uptrend line and seemingly failed, and I say seemingly because clearly if today's action, I mean, is that a bit of a tell here? Does that portend something far more, I don't know, nefarious or potentially dangerous moving forward? Or am I just making too much out of nothing? Yeah, I mean, obviously the difference between this sell-off, right, and the others uh, is that this is in one day, right, and this is news-related. And so in principle, the security has been re-rated by the collective wisdom of all market participants to a level where with the new information and the earnings miss or whatever it was, it, quote, belongs. And uh, as, uh, I guess the issue is this. Is it the beginning of something worse? The one thing I would point out that gaps, and you see that on the way up, or the way down typically come in twos or threes. They're very rare and you get an isolated gap. And so when you get one miss, next quarter typically is miss again, or even though people revise their numbers down. And that's typically the run you don't want to step in after a drop in gap. Yeah. All right. Let's, um, you know, one of the reasons why we wanted to kind of highlight Micron, which is out tonight after the close, um, is you've been bullish on the semis. Um, you think that we're going to have a continuation here. Here's a stock that's trading at a new 52-week high um, this week or, or so. It's up 62% of the year. So it's besting the performance of the um, SMH here. Implied move in the options market is about five and a quarter percent with a stock around 80 bucks or 81 bucks. Um, the at the money straddle is about four and a quarter. So that means basically the the call is is two and change and the and the and the put is two and change right and if you do the math it's about two and a half percent right if you're looking to kind of make a, a long premium directional bet you can just buy one or the other um carter like, give us your sense for this one we see the trend channel there i see your arrow it, it seems um pretty um you know pr- pr- pretty defined there um thoughts here and and are you thinking about it more than just a one day move um and 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 also do you think about as you're like doing your charts and especially in front of events like earnings do you look at the options market and see what the applied move is? does that matter anything to you uh, no, I don't. I just because I'm a, you know very specialized in what I do, but a lot of people spend a lot of time on that, and I know you uh, you guys have, and, and obviously on options action, and many people do try to um, ferret out clues, messages, tells right in the option market. Um, I guess the, from the point of view of the chart, the the question is the green arrow, right? One could say it's awfully close to the top of the channel. Why not put a red arrow? Um, we have, if you look at the next iteration, maybe we can toggle mm-hmm. with the 150 moving average. So it's a perfect example of how a stock bottoms, right? A bearish to bullish reversal where the sequence changes and you have a clear series of higher lows and higher highs. And one could say, but isn't it a little far above the 150 moving average? Not too dissimilar to as it was in the middle of the year before it checked back yet again. And so that's the question. Going back to the 
one with the channel. Do we have to get all the way to the top of the channel? No, that's my hunch. Um, so that there is some follow through here. Uh, we shall see. Uh, but I guess the, the, the answer is about sizing, right? Could this be a large long or because it has moved from the lower band of the channel from basically 66 to uh, almost 83 or 4, should you reduce a little bit? Or is this an instance where you stay large long and you hedge by, by, by you know, selling calls or buying a put or putting on a risk? Result? All of those are valid. Um, and probably maybe the least valid is just to stay blindly long. My, my hunch would be to be present, to go into the number, uh, to take that uh, earnings news-related risk with exposure, but to either reduce the exposure or hedge the exposure. So let me jump in here and, and say, first of all, these are great charts. So let's toggle back for me, if we may, for you bingo players out there. <laughs> and you look at this, what Carter pointed out, a classic bearish to bullish reversal. And that's manifesting not only in the higher lows and higher highs, but obviously the moving averages flattening out, then turning higher. So you see that chart. I want you to all you have your eyes on it. You see where the moving average is. Now, give me the channel chart. You have to have a plan to the extent that you're even looking at Micron. And let's say you have a position of Micron right now. This is how I view it. And Carter or Dan, well, Carter first, and then you can sort of back me up or push back against me. If, in fact, they come out, they beat, there's a very good chance, obviously, that the stock trades to the third point of this uptrend, up channel, probably comes in around $88.5, $89 or so. I think if that were to happen, you absolutely, in my opinion, have to take money off the table. If they miss for whatever reason and it gaps lower, you know, there's a very good chance that we hold the bottom end of this up channel and still are in this formation of higher lows. And I think that will give you a tremendous opportunity to probably get long the stock. And then to toggle back quickly, Dan, it probably comes in right around those moving averages if, in fact, they do miss and the stock gaps lower. So to sit idly by to Carter's point and do nothing, I think is foolish. I think you have to have that plan of attack going in, understanding that if it were to happen on either side, it's going to look either really great, why would I sell it, or it's look really shitty, why would I buy it? Yeah, I mean, no exactly. doubt. Yeah. yeah exactly. Hey, really, really quickly. And, and again, um, you know, in the point that I was asking about the implied move, Carter, just to, if it's an input, like once you've already made your judgment about the direction, you know what I mean, on the chart and, and, and doing all the work that you do. But it's interesting looking at this um, options chain. Okay. So here it is on fact set. Um, and this is the weeklies. Okay. So this is expiring on Friday um, on the close. And it's interesting. Stock's about 81 bucks here. Right. And so um, the at the money straddle, like I said, is about four and a quarter. If I look up, let's just say four strikes. Okay. To $85. Um, those calls, let's just say you wanted to overwrite your micron stock. You were long. You think that in, it, it, maybe it could have a move in line with the implied move. And I I want to sell some premium. I want to, I could take in 1%. Okay. If I sold for every 100 shares of stock that I own, one of the December 22nd weekly calls at about 85 cents. Okay. So that's 1%. If the stock is below $85, you would take in that premium on Friday's close. Okay. And obviously if the stock's below current levels, you would have losses, but you've taken in 85 cents Okay, in premium, that should act as a buffer to the downside. So that's one of the reasons why when you hear Carter say, you know, take some action, maybe write calls if you're long, that sort of thing. If you think the stock could just be range bound, you could do the same thing. But one of the things I think it's really interesting. So if I look at the 81 strike, okay, where the stock is trading, I look down 
$4. That's 77. Look at what those are trading at. Those are trading at about 60 cents or so, at least on the screens that I'm looking at, right? Versus 85 cents for $4 higher. Usually you have skew to the downside, right? So the puts are generally more expensive than the upside calls versus the same percentage out of the money. What is that telling me? It's telling me a lot about what's going on in the market in general. People are more interested in riding the upward momentum right now than they are protecting the downside. Carter, thoughts on that? Because I know that you've traded options. You look at the options market. Um, this is not a phenomenon that's too common um, in the options market. I, I guess it's just, as you say, it's reflecting the, the complacency or the bullishness, misguided or not, or maybe genius, that's in the market. Um, <laughs> You know, again, we've, I know the three of us have talked about this. January is often a very strong month. And there are, however, instances where literally they open the market in the first days of the year and everyone walks away. They say that was good. Didn't want to book those profits. And here's January. And now it's, it's cool off. So we'll see. Uh, uh all right. I got you. I got you. All right. Let's, let's move on to Nike really quickly here, guy. This is one that, you know, we've been talking about consumer. We've been talking about consumer discretionary. We've been talking about retailers um, thoughts heading into the print here, because obviously the stock has had um, a big run over the last month and a half. Like many stocks, I think it's important to note that some of these stocks that were trading at near 52 week lows or, you know, their the 2023 lows and have made a very quick push right to the 52 week highs, you know, heading into an event, right? Like, like you want to be careful. I think that was a little bit of the story with FedEx too. I look at this and, and we've been talking about this sort of 128 level for a while now, given the fact that we broke the downtrend that's been in place. And I'm going to harken back quickly to the potential to retrace to the downtrend line the same way that we just looked at a chart that basically retraced in the form of FedEx to an uptrend line. So I think there's a really good chance, you know, we get up to that 128 level. That is effectively the highs that we saw late last year or early this year, and then again in middle of this year, and then fail. And then do a retest, again, my opinion, of this downtrend line. Then we'll see what happens if we bounce or not. But, you know, we talked about very sort of, I don't know, not great double bottoms, but the fact that we traded down to the levels we saw in late 2022, I thought was interesting. So if you're asking me how I look at this, if we get to 128, I sell it with both hands and look for a pullback down to the downtrend line that's been in place for quite some time. So it's basically late 2021, Dan. All right, Carter, walk us through, man. What are you seeing here? Yeah, so as uh, as uh, described by Guy, we have obviously move above an, uh, a well-defined downtrend line, and now it's wrestling with, is it too steep? Um, in a normal market, we do see, but everything has done this, right? There's every single stock has... And made a move that's uh, quite extraordinary over the past seven, eight weeks. Another way to draw the line is to highlight the intermediate top centered on the 130 plus minus level. So if you put them together, uh, I think we probably do follow through here, uh, get another push. And then uh, again, maybe with both hands, as guys say it, or hands and feet, sell all of that at 130. Well, there you go. I, you know, it's interesting that we're just getting to a point where, um, you know, we're not even talking about valuation relative to itself, relative to its peers, relative to the market, relative to, you know, its expected growth, what maybe some sort of deceleration in growth looks like relative to the valuation. We're just not there. And, you know, again, I think no matter what happens at some point, you know, if we have this tremendous follow through into the new year, um, at some point as we get into Q4 earnings towards the end of the month, you know, I think there will probably become more of a focus on that but it doesn't seem like that's the case right now. But Carter, we just wanted to get a little 
technical check on a couple important yeah. names that we think are important. So thanks so much, my main man. We'll see you soon. All right. Talk. All right, guy. Let's He's a talk. Handsome man, by the way. Hopefully, you can still hear me. So, He's anyway. a, you, you know, he knows that you feel know that he way knows. about. Know. He knows that you feel that way. He just sees the way that you look at him. Do you know what I mean? And he feels it um, a little bit. Um, let's talk about this fear and greed um, index. And I think it's funny because we have um, a bunch of our friends who write uh, frequently. That's Peter in, in the book report. It, it's Doug in uh, in Real Money. And I love that these guys um, like to show this one out every once in a while. We see it when it gets to these sorts of levels. You can see a whole host of the areas in the middle that we don't talk about it. Um, but here we are. And, um, you know, sentiment guy right now, um, a, a little a little goofy, um, you know, and this is the sort of thing where I think the markets are showing us over the last couple of weeks, just the last couple of weeks in particular, especially in the NASDAQ, how it broke out, the NASDAQ 100 has kept on going, is that, you know, that whole expression, things can stay uh, irrational longer than you can stay solvent. And, you know, that extreme greed could go a bit more we could go to 11 if you will well for you spinal tap fans they're actually making uh you know another <laughs> spinal tap which i'm excited to. it's a brilliant movie and you're right it can go to 11 so at 79 can we go north of you know 85 i guess i mean at this point pretty much anything can happen but you layer that on top of you know rsi's levels to the overbought condition that we haven't seen in years and you say to yourself, you know, how much is left in the tank? Now, I want to be crystal clear. I've been wrong and directionally in the market for quite some time. I want to put that out there. But again, you know, now, in my opinion, you know, now's not the time at all to reverse course. The things that I've been concerned about for a while are still out there. And I think the exuberance over Fed rate cuts next year is at best sort of wishy-washy and at worst completely misguided because I don't think it's going to be at a time when you should be buying stocks for the economy's been going gangbusters. You know, a lot of people say, I just want to be ahead of it, you know, and they're willing to play that game of musical chairs. But when this turns and seemingly these indicators indicate exactly that, it's 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 gonna be fast. And you know, I think we're sort of on the outskirts, if not the precipice of exactly that. Yeah. Um, I, I want to pull up crude oil because we were talking about it yesterday um, a little bit, Guy, and we were talking about that downtrend channel um, that, you you know, you don't, we don't even need, need to draw it. You'll, you'll be able to see it here. And it gapped up um, a little bit above that. There's mm -hmm. been lots of headlines that should be kind of squeezy, you know, for crude. This was the chart from yesterday. It got above that. Let's look at the day chart, if we could look at that um, really quickly um, and, and kind of failed a little bit. Right. So the lines, you know, uh, the levels are, are pr pretty obvious, you know, that the headlines seem to be supportive right of, of crude oil maybe it's some of the um the inventory numbers that that we saw earlier or whatever but um you know this is one i, I just want to keep a close eye on just like mm -hmm. we're kind of tracking chinese stocks and the like here it just feels like that is a really to me a pretty decent litmus test for the um global growth sort of trade here and that might be something that we pay, pay a little more closer attention to in uh, january yeah i agree 100 percent. and you've been right in the commodity but you know there have been underlying stocks for example you know, that's obviously WTI. I want to say that's probably a day chart. Yep, yep, I'm correct. Yep, so there you yep. go. So it's given up, obviously, the most of the gains, if not the entire the entirety of it. But let's look at a name like Philip 66. So that's PSX. And, you know, here's a levered stock. This was a spin out many years ago. Longer term would be helpful. I mean, this is a stock that's making an all time high. I want to say today. And if you could go even longer duration, you'll see exactly you know where we are now and where we've been. So here's an energy stock that continues to sort of defy 
the underlying commodity. Marathon Petroleum MPC is another name. Valero, if you want to just throw a Valero chart, I mean, that's gone from 119, I think, recently. I want to say we're north of 135. I only bring these up, and I am cherry-picking to a certain degree, but the equities have actually done okay in this environment, mm-hmm. which you know, is interesting to me to a point, and we'll see if these things continue, Dan. Yeah, um, I agree with that. It'll be interesting to see. And the other thing that's interesting as we get into year end, you know, um, there's plenty of stocks. Yesterday, we spent some time on uh, Meta on Fast Money that's up nearly 200% right off of its lows. And, you know, it's it's one of the biggest gainers, once again, approaching that kind of trillion dollar mark. And you know, listen, you can make a lot of cases how they did a lot of things right this year. Um, I think we started that um, that segment off by talking about in January, I think Mark Zuckerberg said this was going to be like the year of, uh, I don't know, cost controls mm-hmm. and the like. And, 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 you know, listen, look at that. I mean, look at when you think about the hundreds of billions of dollars in the last year in market cap, right. That has been recaptured. It is pretty astounding. And the company is operating pretty well. And I think that's kind of interesting. I want to throw up a Tesla chart. And I think hold this on is really, just Facebook yeah. real quick. Yeah. And I'm, you know, meta, whatever. Good for yeah. them. Um, yeah. You know what I mentioned last night quickly, and I'm not yeah. saying he's doing anything wrong and maybe it was scheduled, but since November, uh, Zuckerberg has sold almost $300 million yeah. worth of Facebook stock. And again, you know, it might be scheduled. I'm just putting it out there just to put it out there. So, you know, keep that, you know, all grain of salt stuff, but. You know, he's clearly seen a bit of well, an opportunity here over the last month and a half. Well, let's talk about that for a second. I actually think it's interesting that you brought it up and we didn't talk about it last night. But one of the things that if you think about, like, let's say Elon Musk at Tesla or or Bezos, who's been selling stock, he's no longer the CEO. I mean, when you get to that, you know, kind of gazillionaire sort of status and a lot of your wealth is tied up into something yeah. that maybe, may, you know, like in the, into the stock, I'm just saying, and you have eyes towards the stars, which obviously Tesla uh, CEO does and, and Amazon's former CEO does you want to get liquid, right? I mean, like for all intents and purposes, Again, and, you know, yeah. I'm not saying, you know, this, I, I know yeah. you're not saying it at all. I'm not saying he's doing anything illicit, wrong, any of those things at all. I'm just pointing out that, you know, yeah. they're finding opportunities here as well. So it's, you know, it's one, th- you know, we always champion CEOs or um, C-suite executives that buy stock on dips. Yeah. And we say, that's a great tell. Well, it, theoretically, if that's a great tell, a similar tell should be something like this. Yeah, and uh, agreed. Um, and we don't spend a lot. It'll be interesting to see, guys, we get into January for tax purposes, if we see, you know, a lot of uh, CEOs who've seen their stocks, you know, come off 100 uh, percent, come up 100 percent from their lows plus or whatever, if you start seeing some of that. Um, I wanted to hit Tesla really quickly because there was a, a headline on Bloomberg that I thought was really uh, interesting. Um, that, uh, you know, the S&P has trounced Tesla in the last three years. So in 2020, I think around this date, maybe it was December 19th, Tesla went into the S&P 500. Now, from the date of the announcement, I think a month earlier, the stock had run up pretty dramatically. I think the stock was at, I don't know, 232 or so um, at the time it went in. So that means that indexers, right, were buying it um, at those levels. And you think of the S&P is up, I think from that date, nearly 30%. And mm-hmm. this thing is up only a 11%. And much of that, just so you know, in the last week and a half or so. So I think it's really interesting if they just want to isolate this on a two-year basis too, guy. Like if you think about where the stock is trading relative to where it was at the start 
of last December. You know what I mean? Like the stock has really underperformed. So, you know, I we were talking about Tesla last night on Fast Money, and I was saying, I think I was really right on the fundamentals this year. I was really wrong on the stock, you know, but if you take out that move from 200 to 100, right, from December to the lows, you know, a month and a half later or so, the stock is not trading that well. It's no. actually kind of underperforming, massively underperforming the NASDAQ. And, and I just think it's important to kind of put some of this stuff in context. And then it's also still well below that $400 level, right, that it reached in late 2021. That's something that I've pointed out as well. I mean, you know, and if we could go to that other chart quickly, and I'm sure a lot of people have been with us a long time, they can see what I'm seeing here, but go to the prior chart and you'll see a pretty significant downtrend. Uh, and we can draw that downtrend line from the October, if you go back to the 2021 hop mm-hmm. and you start drawing a downtrend line, you'll see these points and there you go. So they boom, boom, boom. To a the little penny. Higher, and there you go. Now, the flip side of that, you'll see an uptrend from the lows we saw earlier this year. And if you draw that uptrend from that point, and if this is Stephen doing it, this is a great job. My point is this, and we've pointed this out as well, Dan, this is a, this pennant formation has been in play for quite some time. And it's not coincidental that the ranges have been smaller and smaller as we get later and later into the year. So as this pennant gets to the point, the ranges will get smaller until one of two things happen. We break out meaningfully to the upside or we break down meaningfully to the downside. And that's the way I look at this chart right now. And that's why I've been looking at it for quite some time. Yeah. And, you know, if they want to throw in the 200 new moving average, it's right there at like 227 or so. So it's right kind of in the, you know, it's in that little pointy area of your pennant there, um, guys. So something's mm-hmm. going to give um, fairly soon. The company is going to report, I think, probably January 20th or so. I want to say ago. the 20th I looked. It might have been the well, 26th, but it's something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yep. 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 And, and listen, you know, uh, you heard me last night on the show. Um, listen, at some point, their margins, their automotive margins are likely to bottom, right? If pricing ever firms, you have lithium prices that go into the batteries, which is a big component cost. They've come down a lot. And so at some point, the question is, in a year like this, where we saw earnings that are expected to decline, maybe 25% margins decline dramatically, despite revenues expected to be up 20%. What happens when maybe, you know, let's say the earnings kind of normalize mm-hmm. again, and they get back to a growth, maybe the stock doesn't perform that well. I, I don't know. Listen, I think that the, the, the downtrend um, is probably a bit more impactful because there's almost six points on that downtrend. Let's see if it can get through um, in the near term. I just wanted to bring that up because I saw the headline. It was just interesting because as of a week ago, this stock was basically unchanged on a three-year basis since it entered the S&P 500, which is, again, a market cap weighted index. And this is one of the seven largest stocks in there, mm-hmm. which is showing that there is some underperformance on a longer term basis. So I'll just leave it at that guy. Yeah. And we can put in the show notes to the extent that that even is a thing, but Gary, I think his name is Gary Black. I mean, he's yeah. been a pretty prominent Tesla investor, but you know, he's pretty measured in his um, commentary. He's, he's right down the middle and he put out a great tweet earlier today that we could probably find and throw out there. Maybe I'll retweet it. But he was pointing out the reasons the bull case makes sense and then conversely, the bear case as well. And, you know, and when you look at that tweet and then throw this chart up, understanding that something's got to give at some point, 
this is going to get pretty interesting into the new year, I think. You know, and I've said this before, Guy. I mean, there was a time where I think he was just one of those, you know, relentless bulls and not tweeting the bear case. Every morning he would wake up and put like, you know, eight bullets of what the bull case is, right? And that was going on a lot during last year when the stock was just careening lower and it seemed very defensive. And I think that to his credit this year, Mm -hmm. as the stock has been going higher, he's been doing the bull bear and he actually catches a lot of heat from some of the sycophants on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like saying, you know, so um, I like his work, man. I, 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 I really do. I think it's, um, I think it's pretty good. All right. Last thing we got to hit before we get out of here, you see this move in Google today. Uh, this would be the alphabet guy. I know you think it comes out. Yeah, Google. It's, it's... Um, big, big move, new 52 week high, um, you know, fairly impressive. You know, this is a name that I know that you've often cited mm-hmm. relative to some of its mega cap tech peers on a valuation basis, got a lot more support. They've had some hair on their large language model generative AI story, despite the fact coming into this year, people thought that um, for their own, on their own right, like the stuff that they've been doing, right, was 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 put them in the catbird seat. And I think it was a really the, the ten billion dollar investment that Microsoft made to start the year off in OpenAI shook that up a little bit, right? And they haven't had a tremendous amount of success in demonstrating the progress that they've made on that front. But it seems like this stock, and if we pull up a five-year, which we have, Guy, well, you'll see like, where we are. Yep. Yeah, it this seems like investors are getting positioned for this one to make a run towards the prior highs. 100%. And it makes sense. I mean, we've talked about, listen, I'll say this as well. You know, I was, when Google showed the underperformance that it did for quite some some time, it really surprised me because out of all the names, at least Google seemingly one had a moat and number one and then two, they seemingly had a valuation that you could wrap your head around in pretty much any environment. But the stock for the better part of a year did not trade particularly well. It's obviously gotten off the mat in large part this entire year. There have been some drawdowns. I get it. What I think is going to happen is we're going to make a push towards those highs that we saw all the way back into 2021. I think we came in around 148 and a half to 150. And that's when things are going to get interesting. So, you know, there's some headwinds for Google out there, probably in the form of advertising with small businesses, with the unemployment rate going higher, all those different things that would concern me, but they're not going to concern me over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Lastly, you know, when you think about this name um, from a valuation standpoint, and especially relative to some of its peers. So if I'm looking at 2024 guy, expected earnings growth of 21% on an adjusted basis, a little less on a gap basis, it's trading about 21 times that expected earnings. Revenue growth expected to be about 12%. Here's the one that I find really interesting though, is gross margins, right? So this year, um, 62%, okay, is what they should come in at. That's down from 67% last year, okay? Next year, expected to decline a little bit too, 61, 39. And and, and so my point is, if they're able to demonstrate, let's say some of these um, tools that they get kind of going and they can commercialize and start charging for, and that's um, accretive to to margins, then that's going to be great for earnings. And then the stock starts to look cheaper if you have uh, margin improvement. So that's what I really want to focus on, I guess, as we get into Q4 earnings. I think it's really important important to remember when they gave their Q3 earnings, though, what, about a month and a half ago, stock kept down 9%. Yeah, that's my I mean, point. Like you know, you've seen, yeah. you've seen those drawdowns this year a couple different times, which is, yeah. you know, which has been interesting that they really, it's funny, Google does not get the benefit of the doubt. Um, and we've seen that time and time again with their earnings release, as opposed to some of these other companies like Apple, for example, that seemingly always gets the benefit of the doubt for whatever reason. but. 
that's probably another conversation yeah. for another time. To your point, you know, I think this thing probably continues to do the levitation, but you know, we get up to 148 or so, and I think you really have to take a hard look. There's a very good chance that that's the exact time not to be buying the stock, but to be selling the stock. Yeah. And just to bookend this whole conversation, we started out talking about FedEx and it's down 10, 11 percent move. And just to be really clear, you know, that was yesterday. OK, a 66 or 67 billion dollar market cap company. Just think about this when Alphabet got down 9%. Okay. It was a one in Mm $1.6 trillion market cap company. So, you know, you said if you were to tell me yesterday that FedEx would have been down 11%, I might have told you that it would have kind of had, you know, a bunch of other areas connected to them down in sympathy or that, right? Like, like that's kind of the, the way we usually think about this sort of stuff. Um, but you know, FedEx just doesn't really have that sort of sway in the market, but names like Alphabet um, kind of do. And at the time, though, you know, people were selling Alphabet and buying Microsoft. So we've seen a lot of rotations, not just in sectors, but also individual names off of some of these fundamental pieces. We have that. We have, and we have run out of time today because I asked, as you know, Dan, I got to hightail it into the yeah, city. And this time of year, the traffic is an abomination. I want to thank FactSet, our sponsor, and our data provider, obviously the great Carter Braxton Worth. We'll be back tomorrow. Now, historically, Thursdays are Elizabeth Young days and Butters. But given the time of year we're at, both are on halls. So it's probably just going to be me and you, which is fine. That's fine. I mean, just the two of us, buddy. Maybe maybe one of us will sing that song or sing another song for all we know. Who knows? You know what I mean? So well, All I know is this. Come this time tomorrow, the Rangers will still be the best team in the National Hockey League. Whoa. Um, with a game on Friday against the, the Oilers of Edmonton, the best. Ho- and now, just so people understand, and I want to do get out of here, I, I can wax poetic about the history of hockey as well as anyone. So I know who Gordie Howe is and was. I know who Wayne Gretzky is and was. Connor McDavid is the best hockey player in the history of mankind. And he will be skating on the Madison Square Garden ice this Friday. Don't at me. It happens to be true. By the way, you just said this time tomorrow. Great song by the Kinks. And and I always thought that, and I know what you're going to say, not a Kinks fan. I I, I get it. But that would be a cool segment on the market call if we just said this time tomorrow. tomorrow. So like, see, I don't like, I do not like the final trade on, on, on fast money. We've been doing it forever. I just don't like the fact that we have to say something that people put a lot of emphasis on in like 10 seconds. You know, you know what I mean? But this time tomorrow, if we kind of, maybe we'll talk to Sandy, we'll talk to our producer and say like, let's just have a conversation. Yeah. This time tomorrow, I think this, you know what I mean? Mm. Nostradami, this would be a, a great game for you. Uh, I don't like the kinks because the kinks don't like each other. The Davies brothers never really liked each other. I will tell you, though, that if you're in the mood, Celluloid Heroes Live is a great song. And that's it for today. We will see you folks tomorrow. See you later. 